it doesn't always feel like your life makes a difference, right? Every day we go about and we do similar things. I know, uh, you know, we, we go to work and we accomplish whatever our task is, and then we go home and uh, we do a little bit of whatever we have to do at home, and then we get to bed and we wake up and we go to work and we do whatever the task is, and we go home, and eventually we get to the weekend, and we think, oh my goodness, now I'm good, but, but it flies right by, and then we get up, and we go to work, and we do it again, and again, and again, and this life is just like one boringly long treadmill sometimes, and we think about it, you know, when we have moments of reflection, we think, is my life making a difference? Uh, am I impacting those that God has put before me? If you're a parent, you think, am I Am I impacting my children in the way that I need to, to be impacting them? If you're, a, if you're a grandparent, you might have those same thoughts towards your grandkids. You know, am I being able to impact my grandkids the way um, that, I, that I want to? We think about our friends, our neighbors, the people who God has put close to us in proximity. We think, am I doing anything that matters for, for any real length of time? And we don't see growth. You know, that's one of the most challenging things is that it's, it, we, don't, we don't perceive change very well you know um you know we can we can go and we can put on 30 pounds and we don't notice until our pants tell us that we put on 30 pounds right every day you know every day change happens but we don't always perceive it and this is this is what i want you to know today guys sometimes your life is making a, a monumental impact and you don't notice it i tell a story sometimes and it's, it's, it's a good story because it, it brought me my wife but um, whenever I was going into fourth grade, um, my family relocated from the Dallas area to the Houston area. My dad got a job at BMC Software, so we went down there, and uh, my dad, BMC was a fairly large company, you know, several, I don't know, at that time, probably six, seven hundred people working there. By now, it's got, you know, 15,000 people working for it, so it was a company that was on the growth swing. My dad jumped in on that, that, that growth swing, and his boss was a guy named Tom Perkinson. And uh, my family always grew up going to church. I grew up in church my whole life. And Tom was a Baptist, a deacon at First Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas. And he was my, my father's boss. And he said, Lewis, that's my dad's name, says, where, uh, do you go to church? And my dad said, yeah, we're Baptists. You know, we, we go to church. And he said, well, I'm a deacon at, and he told him about the church. And my dad said, okay, well, well, we'll go out there, right? And there's a couple reasons you do that. First of all, if your boss invites you to church... It's a, it's a good move, right? Go to church if your boss asks you to go to church. And we're church people, so it fit pretty well. And somehow we stuck at that church. Now, my house, it's not going to sound that big of a deal, right, for, for, for y'all. Like, um, but basically, my house was Milano away from my church. Um, which, like, if you drive from Milano to Rockdale, you might not drive by but, like, two churches to get here. Um, but for me, living in the suburbs of Houston, we drove by dozens of churches uh, to get to the church that I ended up going to every day. And the reason that that church is so special to me is because um, at that church, my, my, I remember this day clear as anything. I, I was between third and fourth grade. I walked into a Sunday school classroom, and I came into a classroom, and there was the most beautiful little girl in that classroom. And I thought, I'm going to marry that girl. But Jill Willis didn't happen. No. <laughs> No, I did. I met my wife that Sunday, uh, and, and we didn't know it, right? We were just kids playing games, and I was hanging out with the other guys named Matt. There were three of us, um, so I made friends with the other guys with the same name as I had, 
And, uh, you know, I didn't really even pay attention to Danielle until we got to youth. But because of one small step of, like, faithfulness, Tom Perkinson asking my dad, hey, do you go to church? Will you come to church? The entire trajectory of my life was changed. I met my wife. Uh, I met Jesus Christ. Um, and then I, I got called to the ministry all through that church. Um, now, now, God, you know, could call me from any church, and, you know, God can orchestrate all things for, for, for his purposes. But the way he did it was through the faithfulness of one person. And I promise you, Tom Perkinson, who's probably at church right now somewhere in Houston, um, he is not thinking, boy, I changed the world. Right? No, he was just faithful. Small, small acts of faithfulness have monumental change. Today we're going to talk about that. If you don't perceive that you're making a difference, if you don't perceive that God's kingdom is coming to, to fruition in front of you, I want you to know it's happening right now. We're going to lead a little bit uh, in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Mark. Uh, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. It follows the book of Matthew. It precedes the books of Luke and John. Um, so if you get into the Gospels, find Mark. And Mark 4, starting in verse 21, Jesus is speaking. This is one of the few times that Jesus is teaching in the book of Mark. And this is what he says. He said to them, to his disciples, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Or under a bed and not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, <coughs> it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has be taken away. He begins, we're going to look at three different little teachings of Jesus. He begins by talking about a lamp, and he says, you know, when you have a lamp, you don't take a lamp and light a lamp and then bury it underneath the bed, right? You don't do that. You don't bury the lamp under the bed because the lamp doesn't achieve its purpose under the bed, right? The purpose of the lamp isn't just to make light, right? The purpose of the lamp is to light something, right? And so if it's under the bed, it's not achieving its purpose. It's doing its job, but it's not doing what, what, what its purpose to do. No, what do you do? You take the lamp, you set it up high so the entire room is filled with light. And the, and the point that Jesus is making, right, is first of all, like, like, like what the teaching of Jesus Christ, what Jesus is telling us and instructing us, is not something that, that should be held, held secret. Right, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to make manifest the word of Jesus Christ. He's been teaching a parable. He's like, look, um, these parables are difficult to understand, but they're not intended to constantly be kept secret. We're supposed to know the meaning of these things, but also just the general teaching of Jesus Christ should be made manifest. That means it should be known to other people. And the way that it's known to other people is that we hold it up high so that those who are in darkness can see the light of Jesus Christ. Also, he says, look, pay attention to what you're here, right? Pay attention to what you're hearing, because what you hear, if you listen and search diligently, it will be multiplied, and if you don't, it won't be, right? And that, that's good Bible study one-on-one for you, right? If you have your Bible, and you just read it casually, and I'll do this, right? I'm reading through the Bible, as I do, um, but when I'm reading through the Bible, I'm not studying the Bible. These are kind of different things, right? I'm reading through the Bible just to kind of absorb as much of God's Word as I can. It's different, though, than searching God's Word for truth, right? I'm just kind of reading through it, trying to gather the picture of God's Word. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to gather the entire picture of God's Word, again, trying to keep the whole story fresh. But to study God's Word means you go into it and you look for the truth that God has. God hasn't hidden it, right? It's not made to be hidden. 
It's made to be made manifest through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to search for it, and then we will find that thing that we search for. So we have this light that won't be hidden. And this light, Jesus is about to turn. He's going to talk about the kingdom of God. And there's, there's this picture of the kingdom of God. And we, don't, we use it, the term, but we don't understand the term. When, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe, right? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. The kingdom of God is near. Constantly he's talking about the kingdom of God. Guys, the kingdom of God is a weird concept because we don't understand it. Right? And I, I asked some people, I said, what's the kingdom of God? And I got some answers that weren't bad. They didn't really fully engulf it. So I'm going to give you a short definition for the kingdom of God, and you can kind of hold on to this. And like all short definitions, it fails in a lot of ways. Right? It doesn't cover everything that could be said, but I'm not trying to say everything. So here's a good definition for the kingdom of God anytime you see it. It's God's rule and reign on the earth. That's the kingdom of God, the God's rule and his reign on the earth. He will be king and he will be Lord over everything. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, what he's saying is God's rule is coming soon. And it came near to us in Jesus Christ and it will come again at the second coming. And this is what Jesus says in verse 26. He says, and he said, the kingdom of God, this rule and reign of Jesus Christ and of God the, the Father is, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. <laughs> this picture of the kingdom of God is it's as if there's this farmer somewhere, Right? And he's out and he just kind of throws the grain out and he, he plants it in his field and then he, he doesn't ever do anything. I'm not a farmer. Um, I was raised in the suburbs, I've already said that, right? So like I, did, I didn't do the whole farming game and plowing and weeding and fertilizing, uh, uh, whatever, right? Like, but I'm pretty sure like a farmer isn't lazy. In fact, like my picture of a farmer is someone who gets up early, works till the sun goes down, eats dinner, goes to bed, wakes up early and does it again. Right? Because it's a hard job to produce as much food as you can out of a small piece of property. Right? That's a hard task. But this farmer isn't that sort of guy. At least we don't see any of that. Right? He plants it. He doesn't understand what he's doing. Right? He just goes out and he plants it. <clears throat> but somehow, miraculously, God causes growth. And that's the truth. Right? God causes growth. That's why we pray for rain. Because we, if we don't get the rain when we need the rain, some of you people out there, you're like, I've got to sell some cows. Because if I don't sell some cow right now, we're going to have a whole problem coming down because we didn't get the rain when we needed the rain. No, God causes growth. And the kingdom of God is, is totally God-given growth. It's not man-given growth. You don't make it grow. Now, what you do is you scatter the seed along the ground and God makes it grow. And he makes it grow miraculously. It's his power, his purposes, his will, not yours. You make manifest, you hold the lamp up to show the light of the word um, to the world out there. You throw seed out there, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again. You throw that out to the world. And at the end of days, at the end of all this stuff that we have, God makes it grow. We don't understand it. I don't understand it. Tom Perkinson didn't understand what he did when he invited Lewis Higginbotham to church. He didn't know that through his act of faithfulness that Lewis's youngest son, would meet Jesus Christ. He didn't know through his act of faithfulness that Lewis's youngest son would be called to the ministry. He didn't know that it would lead to my, my, my marriage, 
my five and a half kids, uh, my, my, my vocation here, tormenting y'all every single Sunday. He didn't know any of this. Right? He just, he just said, I, I'm called to be faithful. I've got someone new to town. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to invite them to come to church with me. And because he did that, my life was forever different. God causes miraculous growth to happen because that's what he does. So you don't always know it. This is the point here, right? It happens in secret. And sometimes it happens beyond your view. It could be 50 years down the road, and your act of faithfulness 50 years ago changed the direction of someone's life. You don't know. That's what the other side of eternity is for, by the way. Right? The other side of this thing that we're on, we get to see the fruit that God has caused from the faithfulness that we have, we have shown. So the kingdom of God is something that grows mysteriously, but it's not just a mysterious growth. It's not just a somewhat growth. It's a massive growth. And this is the second parable or the third parable that we're going to talk about today. He says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? Again, he's like, what what is the kingdom of God like? God's rule and reign, what is it like? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Yet when it, is, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, I, I know what a mustard seed looks like. I've seen mustard seed. Uh, it's a fairly small seed. There are smaller seeds, by the way. You can get a smaller seed, right? A little grass seed or something. You can find something smaller than a mustard seed. But the point is, something little does something massive. Right, we, we had to tear a tree out at the parsonage. It was messing with our water lines, and it was big. I mean, it was that big around sort of tree, big old live oak. You know, once upon a time, because I've seen the acorns that tree spit out, it was this big. It was just a, a live oak acorns are small, too. I mean, they're tiny little acorns, and there's millions of them. Right, it was just a tiny little live oak acorn, and somehow it fell on the ground. Somehow it took root. And God caused growth. And somehow, when they built the houses, they said, this tree's going to stay, and all these other trees are going to go. And it, and it survived all of that. And what it became was a massive, sprawling tree, something small and relatively insignificant. I mean, I, I bag up hundreds of pounds of acorns. Right? I mean, they're, they're all, they're, don't, nothing eats them, right? They're, they're, they're worthless. I bag up hundreds of pounds of these things every year from the trees in my yard, but something small and insignificant becomes something massive in scope. And that's what Jesus is referring to the kingdom of God, right? You don't know what, what's going to happen. You don't understand the mystery of growth that God causes good things to grow out of our little bit of work. But not just that God causes it to grow and, and have something happen. The kingdom of God is expansively large. Think about when Jesus came to earth. Right, he came to earth as a, as a little child, born in a manger to a couple of poor people. Just a couple of poor, working-class people. From Nowheresville, not of regal like fame and name, not born in a palace somewhere, not even in a businessman's house. But from that humble beginning, <clears throat> that inauspicious start, God created a worldwide movement that still is expanding today. And the picture that we have here is that the birds of the air will nest right inside of the branches, and that echoes back to the book of Daniel. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in the book of Daniel of this great tree that would grow and its branches would expand out and the birds of the air would nest in it. And that's the picture that Jesus is pointing back on. And those birds of the air are literally the kingdoms of the earth all coming inside of Nebuchadnezzar. He was going to have like a worldwide reign uh, because that's what he was. He was this massively important king uh, over Babylon. And he says, all the nations will come and nest in you and they'll come to you for support and protection and everything. And Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is like that, except it started smaller and it gets bigger. And today, right now, the kingdom of God is still expanding. It's massive. I mean, there are churches around the globe right now, today, this very day, we will be celebrating right, right, the, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ along with billions yeah, of other people. Right, they know the power of the resurrection. It, it, it happened from something small, but God has done something big. Through. Guys, we don't know where our faithfulness leads us. Right, like, and it, all we're asked to do, though, is be faithful with what we have. Right? And we get to take a part in that massive undertaking that is the kingdom of God. We play a role in that. God asks us to play a role in that. And all we have to do is step out and be faithful. Today, God is asking you to be faithful. Right? Be faithful with, with the little bit that you have so God will trust you with more in the future. So the question that I have to ask you if you're a believer here today is are you being faithful in those little things? Are you having conversations that are meaningful, that matter for eternity? You know, it doesn't matter what the weather is going to be tomorrow, though I hear the high is going to be about 70 degrees, so that's kind of nice, right? But it doesn't matter what the weather is going to be tomorrow. It doesn't matter that the Rockets choked away a 26-point lead, right, to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. That doesn't matter, right? <clears throat> I mean, it matters to me, right? <laughs> right? But we're like, it doesn't matter in this grand scheme. It doesn't matter that the Patriots won their 100th Super Bowl in a row, right? That doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life. Because those things will all go and fade. Do you, you know who won the, you know, the 50-second gladiator games in ancient Rome? No, you don't know that. You got no idea. I'm sure he was a pretty big deal, though, once upon a time, that guy, right? Big sword, walked around, everyone knew him. Probably a pretty important guy. But the records of all that is gone. But you know what we do know? There was a dude run around in Rome about that same time by the name of Paul, and his life and his ministry and his legacy still continues on today. Right? Don't, don't, don't cling to things that are fleeting. Cling to things that last forever. Right? And it's just little bits of faithfulness. I'm not asking you to change the world by yourself. I'm asking you to be faithful to spread the seed of God's good news to, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your children, to your grandchildren. Tell them the good news of Jesus. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. This world right here, Rockdale, Texas, Milam County, needs Jesus. I mean, I was meeting with Long Range Planning, and we're saying, what are the needs of our community? And we came up with a lot of good needs. But you know, the primary need is that there needs to be a supernatural awakening to the power of Jesus Christ in our community. And that's going to happen through places like this, churches, who gather together, who pray faithfully for revival inside of ourselves, and then in our community. And as we seek the Lord, like it says in the parable of the lamp, right, it will be found. As we seek, as we listen, as we pursue 
more will be added to us. And then when we go to share the message of Jesus Christ, as we spread the seed and we don't understand it, miraculously God will cause growth. Guys, God is still in the growth business. Right? There's no recession in God's economy. He's always pushing out. But it's got to start with you. You today, Christian. Are you ready to be a part of that? I mean, are you ready? Are you ready to take part in what God's kingdom is trying to do in my own county? Are you ready to take part in expanding God's, God's ever-reaching ever kingdom? Are you ready? And if you're not, then it's a good day to get ready. That means you begin to humble yourself in prayer. And that's the, the honest prayer to God. Say, God, I'm, I'm not there right now. Inside of myself, inside of what I've got going on in my heart, I'm not ready. Help me, break me. Make me usable by you. God's faithful to answer that prayer. And then seek God out where he can be found. Seek dutifully in God's word. Guys, I love that y'all are here listening to me preach. Right? I, I enjoy preaching. It's one of my favorite things to do. But God's word speaks to you outside of the 11 to 11, 27 time slot. Right? It speaks to you every day. Open it up. Read it. Read it with somebody if you need some accountability. Right? Make sure someone's holding you accountable saying, hey, have you been reading? Hey, have you, have you looked at what God has to say today? God's Word has tons of stuff. Some of it's tough, right? I'm in the book of Leviticus. Should I just finish the book of Leviticus? Man, that's a kick in the face, right? I mean, no, I'm not saying don't start in Leviticus, but right, open it up and find, find what God's Word has to say. It's full. It's full of stuff for, for you today. And as you seek it, then you'll be more fruitful as you go out and God will cause growth and you'll be a part of this massive kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming. It's not totally here yet, but it's coming. And when it comes, it will fill the entire world. There's going to be a time when Jesus Christ is going to come back, and this is what Jesus constantly prepares his disciples for, is I'm coming again. Will you be ready when I come? Are you ready? When are you, are, if Jesus came back tonight, would you be happy to show him how you spent the last six days. Say, look at how I spent my time this week, Lord. You gave me a week, and this is what I did with it. Or would you, like the wicked servants, as we see in several parables, look at God and say, well, look, we read about you, and you're a pretty harsh God, and I didn't want to get in your way, so I just kind of hid this stuff away. But here it is, God, you still got it. As I want to challenge you today. Seek out after God today. And then make his name known because big things happen from little acts of obedience. Who are you gonna who are you gonna show the love of Jesus Christ to this week? Who are you gonna reach out to? Who are you gonna be Tom Perkinson to? Right? One day Tom's gonna listen to the sermon. He's gonna be like, dang, Matt, you really built me up. He's like a software engineer, like sales guy. He's really not like a big deal. He's just a faithful guy. Loves the Lord. Changed me forever. Who will you be that to? Who will I be that to?